Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sound Advice. My name is Steve Jones, and today I'm joined by Matthew Watson, who is a healthcare partner here at Ballard's LLP, and also Peter Herneman, who is the tax director at Ballard's LLP, and quite uh, usefully for the content of this podcast, is an expert in annual allowance and also the NHS pension scheme. So, hello, Matthew. Hello, Peter. Hi, Steve. Hi, Hi Steve. Peter. And and as always, twiddling the knobs in the background, we've got Matthew, our marketing manager, and I think this is the time that you play the music. So, guys, we're obviously here to spend probably, what, 25 minutes talking about the updates and changes to the NHS pension scheme and bring a a bit bit of clarity to that. Peter... It's probably going to be, you know, mostly c- coming from you input, but we grabbed a couple of minutes before we, we pressed record and touched on the 2023 budget and the Chancellor saying, I don't want any doctor to retire early because of the way the pension taxes work. Obviously, the big headline was the removal of lifetime allowance and the increase in annual allowance. Do you want to just sort of give us a, an idea about other measures put in place? Is that is that a good place to start? I think so. A reasonable place to start anyway. Obviously, the headline news was the, the lifetime allowance and then the obviously the increase in the annual allowance from 40000 to 60000 which is hit all the headlines and was lauded around by the government. It was a useful adjustment, but there were other things that actually apply moving forwards to offer improvements to the, to the scheme and the members therein. Starting with retirement, which is happening more often earlier than later now within the within the pension scheme from 1st of April 2023 in the 1995 section of the pension scheme it's possible to retire and return to the pension by taking at least 24 hours retirement historically that's always been the case but what has happened is that with the historic schemes the legacy schemes in taking that retirement you then couldn't return back to rejoin the 2015 section of the scheme. The change from April the 1st was that you can now retire, take your 24-hour retirement, return back to the scheme, and then rejoin the 2015 section of the scheme to continue making contributions towards eventual retirement. That also applies to members who have retired prior to April 23. They can now rejoin the 2015 pension scheme. Moving on from 1st of April, from the 1st of October, members will be able to undertake partial retirement. This allows individuals to take their historic, their legacy schemes in the 1995 and 2008 pensions whilst remaining in employment and continuing to contribute to the 2015 scheme should they wish to do so. It allows greater flexibility to take the pensions and in particular with regard to our consultant clients, it works beneficially that they can retire from their current post without the need to notify their employer and go through the process of reapplying for a contract, which invariably seem to be running on a 12-month recurring basis, which put their positions into an element of jeopardy. So does this mean that they, they keep their employment rights of their existing contract? Effectively, yes. That, that's what it does. It, it stops them having to take the retirement process and notification. So it just allows a little bit more flexibility. It's effectively applying for the pension whilst continuing to work through. And it gives you the option to then choose what you want to do going forwards. Thank you for that, Peter. I understand that there was some other reduction of restrictions during COVID for NHS pension members. Are these still in place now that we've come out of COVID? Yeah, I mean, COVID allowed, because because of the requirement for so many people to be made available, the 16-hour rule in retiring and returning meant that individuals were only allowed to work for 16 hours a week in the first month after retirement. 
If they exceeded that 16-hour limit, their pension payments would be affected. This restriction was temporarily lifted during COVID. However, from the 1st of April 2023, it's now been permanently removed. Effectively, what now has to happen is there has to be a 24-hour retirement only in order to meet the criteria. The abatement of special class status members who retire and return has also been suspended until 2025. This effectively means that retired members who return to the NHS employment can work as many hours as they wish without having their pension suspended. It doesn't apply to too many. Obviously, it relates to special class status, but again, a useful thing to know in moving forward. So we touched earlier on the removal of the lifetime allowance from April 23 onwards, I think. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. So if I'm if I'm someone listening to this, you know, what I'm going to want to know, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Lifetime allowance was a charge based upon the value of the pension pot. If it exceeded a certain limit, depending on how the pension was drawn down, the ta- there was a tax charge attached to the excess amount, either a 25 or 55%, depending on how you took the income out through income or through capital. The limit up until April 2023 was set at £1.073 million. And therefore, if you exceeded that amount for your pension pot, there was a, a potential charge of falling due. From April 23, any lifetime allowance charges that would have arisen have been reduced to nil. And therefore, you're not going to suffer a charge. From April 24, the lifetime allowance legislation has been abolished completely. The reason it hasn't been done from 23 is the time to get legislation in place. So they've just reduced it to nil to give people that option. What that means is any any excess amount over, over the limit is no longer subject to a lifetime allowance charge. In the NHS pension scheme, you are entitled to take a tax-free lump sum and a maximum tax-free lump sum is based upon that lifetime allowance charge set at 1.073 million under normal circumstances. That would equate to a maximum tax-free lump sum of £268,275. And there are ways of reducing your annual pension to increase that, that lump sum as part of the retirement process. In addition to that, there will be consultants who have taken individual protection historically, set at 1.5 or 1.25 million to protect their, their pensions during the process of reducing the lifetime allowance historically. For the purposes of drawing down the lump sum, those protections are still in place. So if you have sitting there with a 1.5 million individual protection, you will be entitled to take 25% of that amount rather than it limited to the the lifetime allowance limit when it was removed. So there is a little bit of flexibility still for those individuals who have protections and it is still valid having that in place. The problem we have is that the Labour Party have already promised to reverse the abolition of the lifetime allowance if they come into power. They've also stated that they will do their utmost to look after the medical profession in reinstating it. So we don't exactly know how they would reinstate it or what they would actually do. But that looks as though there's something's going to come back in some form at some point. Mm. The only thing we picked up on, particularly dealing with our financial advisor colleagues, is that there is now a window of opportunity with no lifetime allowance being charged between now and potentially the next election. If should the Labour Party get in, it's a possibility to crystallise pensions, maximising the lifetime allowance opportunity. And that's something that will need to be looked at over the next 18 months, two years, bearing in mind that the latest period, there will be an element. It's unlikely that any new government would put the legislation in on day one. So there, there's always the opportunity to uh, 
for a little bit of leeway, but it's something to be looked at towards the end of 24, so, 2024. Sorry, Peter, can I just confirm then? So if if I've got clients who have taken their NHS pensions and they've had a lifetime allowance charge or they've been very close and they, they have then gone back into the NHS post on retirement return, say, so those guys could now effectively go back into the pension, make use of the annual allowance because they haven't got a lifetime allowance charge going forward, but then they would have to think about what to do with that before any potential change in government. Or the other people that we have to think about are those consultants or GPs who have private schemes which they haven't drawn upon yet, and whether or not they should do something with those before the Labour Party or, or change of government. And again, I suppose this also does this also impact on, on when they reach the age of 75 and the crystallisation effects events? Yeah, I mean, to cover the points in general, firstly, yes, if you've taken your pension, you go back into the scheme because there is no lifetime allowance. There is no issue as it currently stands. Similarly, if you're talking about private pensions, ABCs, etc., then yes, that should be a consideration. We have a, a large number of clients who have been planning to take their NHS pensions and not touching their private pensions leaving those for future generations to keep them out of their estate, but then to consider what they were going to do with it in passing it down to future generations as said. What needs to be considered now is whether they want to crystallise that during this, this window. And it comes down to a matter of choice, what people want to do. At 75, yes, you still have, you'll have a crystallisation point in theory, but again, there's no lifetime allowance charge. It's as I said, an opportunity for people to consider, reconsider what they were doing. And I think it's important that over the next 18 months that they actually do give it some serious thought as to what they want to do. We can help with the calculations to what the potential exposure would be if, if it's brought back into effect. We've obviously always got our own financial advisor pool that we can point people towards if they need to have a, have a word with somebody and consider what needs to be done. We also do need to consider, I mean, historically, it's been a question of the order in which you crystallise more than one pension pot. It's been a question as to whether you crystallise the private pension before the before the NHS pension for the lifetime allowance charge. Invariably, it's been the private pension initially because you can spread the load of an, any lifetime allowance charge over a, a much longer period from the, from the NHS side. Talking to the IFAs currently who are considering this at the moment, there's potentially a switch round and taking the NHS pension pot first may well be a, a more advantageous thing to do at the moment. So it's worth, if you have a number of policies, a number of schemes, it's definitely worth having a word about it. It certainly makes things more complicated rather than less complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, and having it as a, having it as a potential issue makes it even harder and people are having to make decisions based upon a possibility of, of, of a new government. And, you know, the initial reaction from the Labour Party was we'll, uh, we'll bring it back without any hesitation. And then it's caveated with, well, but we still want to look after the, the healthcare sector. So we don't know what they'll do exactly. But it is, it's an opportunity for those people to consider what they want to do within this window. My own view is that the lifetime allowance has always been part of the consideration at retirement, but it's not a significant part of it. It, ha it has a charge. It is calculated to be collected over a period of time. The factors reduce the actual physical charge. I appreciate it's there and it's taking the opportunity now to crystallise without having it at all is there, but it should be part of the issue, not, not a decision to suddenly start jumping off and taking things you know, into their own hands. What about... Any other changes, Peter? Anything else that might impact on people listening? 
Yeah, there's a few other changes that have happened, and, and a lot of it's a lot of it's effective for 23, 24, therefore from April, April this year. From an annual allowance perspective, there's been a significant change, and this this affected particularly GPs rather than consultants and other healthcare workers. In calculating annual allowance, pension growth for annual allowance, it's a complex way of calculating how that growth is calculated because the CPI, the rate of inflation, is taken at different points in the calculation in order to arrive at pension growth. For example, the CPI figure used for revaluation, that's the rate of inflation in the current year. So for 2022-23, that rate is 10.1%, which from a pension perspective is excellent. Pensions are going up by 10.1%, which is lovely. But it causes an issue with the annual allowance. Up until 22-23, for the purposes of pension input calculations, the opening value is increased based upon the CPI from the previous year. So for 22-23, that would have been September 2021, and that rate was only 3.1%. That's a 7% difference that would potentially have caused massive amounts of pension input and therefore huge charges. We saw examples in doing our calculations where that historic growth in the 95 and 2008 schemes would be in excess of £100,000 for precious little increase in, in overall position take that into account with moving into the 2015 scheme and that charge is even higher. We'd be having £150,000 worth of growth for relatively low low figures. To alleviate that problem, NHS pensions have updated their regulations to move the revaluation dates from the 1st of April to the 6th of April and in simple terms this aligns the CPI dates used and therefore you will now have 10.1% revaluation against a 10.1 baseline increase. What it means going forwards is this will ensure that pension growth above inflation is measured for annual allowance and therefore we won't have these issues going forward. It is a big step. They could have made it easier by changing legislation, but at least it's a very good step towards solving that problem. It'll mean that for 22-23 there'll be precious little revaluation issue because they're moving it back from the 1st of uh, of April 23 to the 6th of April 23. Therefore, the effect on 2022-23 will be a great reduction in pension growth and therefore any annual allowance charge and it'll just even itself out over the course of the next few years. Mm. The other thing, which is also very interesting and and very useful, again, it's it's been mooted around for quite some time, is negative pension growth. Now, it affects the legacy schemes. If you're a consultant and you're sitting there with a relatively low pensionable pay increase, where the pay rise in one year is below the rate of inflation, there is a very good chance that you could have negative pension growth. It's not negative pension, but the pension growth can be reduced for annual allowance purposes and will fall into a, a negative point. Under the legislation up to 23, that meant that the legacy schemes were treated as having no pension growth. You couldn't take that negative growth and utilise it anywhere. From April now, that negative pension growth is available to set against the positive pension growth that you will find in the 2015 scheme, which is calculated automatically. It means that if you've got a relatively high earner who hasn't had a significant increase in pensionable pay, whereas they will have a large amount of pension growth in the 2015 scheme, they will be able to offset 
the negative growth in, the, in their legacy schemes to bring that figure down. That coupled with the increase in the annual allowance to 60,000 means that there's a very good chance that over the next few years, they shouldn't have any significant exposure to charges, you know, which is obviously very beneficial. Mm. Okay. So on a previous podcast, we talked about the, the cloud judgment and, and anyone want to sort of dip back into that, that's available on our uh, on our website and also on the Spotify channel and, and everywhere else. And, and that previous podcast outlined tax implications, etc. Probably keen to hear if there's been any updates on this since we last spoke about it. Yeah, I mean, McLeod, McLeod is a moving feast. The judgment is, is taking a while to get put in place. Starting with what's happened recently, as we probably should know by now, the first part of the remedy has already been implemented. And as of the 1st of April 2022, all members of the legacy schemes are moved into the 2015 section and their pensions are now calculated on that basis moving forwards. The second part of the remedy is to remove the effect of the transitional period, which is what the remedy relates to, which is that period from April 2015 up to March 2022. Um, any members affected by the discrimination during that period are going to have their benefits rolled back from the 2015 section into their legacy schemes, the 1995 and 2008 sections. This change takes effect again from the 1st of October 2023. Following that rollback, pensions will need to recalculate the pension input amounts for all of the remedy years based upon the current timelines that we've been talking to pensions about. They're expecting to have those pension statements issued by October 2024 for all active members. Mm -hmm. So nothing's going to happen immediately. The deadline for the scheme implementation was October. Therefore, it's going to be October. It wouldn't have been any time before. They've been trying to put things in place. Interestingly, and something that I've been dealing with a lot of my clients with about 22-23 in particular, was that because of the rate of inflation that applied to the pension and the potential exposure to higher charges, I was warning clients about the expectation of the 2022-23 annual allowance statements coming out with massive amounts of growth that would then be affected by McLeod and have to be rewound and undone. We've now heard from pensions and they've advised that they will not be sending out any 22-23 annual allowance statements for individuals affected by McLeod this year, that they won't be sending them out. What they will be doing is they've reset the deadline to October 24. So clients should no longer or, or individuals should no longer expect to see an annual allowance statement for 2022-23, which is a good thing because it will panic an awful lot of people when they, if, they, if yeah. the numbers were to apply. What that what that means is that the scheme pays elections that may have to be put in place or anything else are also those deadlines are also reverted backwards and people will be given time as part of the overall remedy should they need to make an election to defer the charge until retirement etc. So again it's a it's a positive thing. My view is the state in which pensions is in at the moment and the, the amount of work that's going to be involved is that October twenty. Four is quite optimistic to get those individuals who are quite young sorted out. Those individuals, members of the scheme who are closer to retirement or have retired, will benefit from it a lot earlier, but it won't be till the earliest the summer of next year. Can I ask a question, Peter? Do we have any, yeah. any idea how wide the remit of the McLeod judgment will be? I'm just thinking for 22, 23, there'll be an awful lot of people 
that were advised to or just decided to come out of the scheme because they were worried about the inflation and the, the, the huge impacts, as you described, on their pension. Then, of course, at, at the very last minute date, the Treasury came, turned it around and said, OK, well, we'll put these rules in place so that you won't have such a big charge for 22-23. If I was a consultant that came out in that year because of the expectation of such a big charge, I might be a little bit upset. Any idea or, or is that just we don't, don't know at the moment? Yes, well, we do have. It's, it's always been in place as part of the consultation document that those individuals who chose to leave the pension scheme, even going back to 2015, those individuals who chose to leave the scheme for reasons, pensions and the government have said reasons for uh, by, by way of discrimination rather than for any other reason, um, will have the opportunity, the right to argue that they could re-enter the scheme back to where they were when they left the scheme. So that loss of pension, that loss of everything else is a potential to be reinstated. It's going to come down to a case that someone takes takes against them and to see where it is. But there is, there is as part of the compensation package, there is that option to argue that, yes, I, I made this decision because of what's been going on and how it's affected me. As I say, pensions have stated that that should be on the grounds of discrimination and not on the grounds of cost. But at the same time, you've come out of the scheme because you've had to go into a certain point, you've had to do something else. Therefore, the effect is based upon your pension and, you, and the way you've been treated historically through the scheme, I think will be the argument. And I think that'll be the case. But it'll take some time and people will, will take that opportunity. So there will be, again, clients who, who came out in 2017, 2018 for the, for the periods, you know, either to try and generate surplus annual allowance to carry forward, to try and alleviate the problem going forward, just not to have these, these charges. I think there will be scope because there will be an awful lot of people who made that decision. The consultation and everything else relating to that hasn't given any significant detail. So it's, it's not confirmed, but I think there's going to be scope sitting around somewhere to do something about it. On top of that side of things, because the remedy is going back over a seven-year period, I just want to touch again, I think we mentioned it in the previous podcast, but in, in touching on it, if the problem in resolving McLeod through the remedy goes back as far as 2015 and a charge arises rather than a, uh, a reduction in growth uh, occurs, under the revenue rules, they have a four-year period in which they can go back and potentially adjust returns to claim additional liabilities or make, make adjustments to returns. Under McLeod, the remedy will ensure that if the li a liability arises in excess of the four-year term that the revenue can go back, no charges will apply. However, also under McLeod, if it was to go back beyond the four years and a reduction in liability and subsequent refund was due, that would be allowed. So it's a win-win in that respect. The revenue can't go past four years, but the members will be entitled to go back seven years in order to make that adjustment through the compensation play and the scheme that applies. The other thing in respect of that compensation policy is that pensions have set out the opportunity to reimburse members for any, as they call it, direct financial or tax loss. So that's where the loss will come in if you've, if you've lost out historically. I'm concerned or interested in what they mean by financial, because if we're honest, we've got to, as, as advisors, got to go back over seven years and recalculate and recheck everything that pensions have done 
historically and going back to make these adjustments. And I hate to say it, that costs. And we don't know how much they're going to offer as way of financial retribution, but it is something that has been put into the hat so we know that it's there and available. So we will obviously be pushing for as much as, as much of a financial correction as possible for those individuals. Peter, great. It's really good to have a, effectively a guy on the inside, really, because it is a complicated uh, web of information. So thank you for, for that. I suppose the best thing and the sensible advice is get in contact, talk to you and, and find out what your individual situation is. Peter, your contact details? My email address is peter.herneman at ballardsllp.com. And that's Herneman, H-E-R-N-I-M-A-N. Or if it's even easier, just call the number, which is at one nine zero five seven nine four five zero four. Okay, great. Thanks as always. Peter, Matthew, thanks a lot for your time. And Matthew, behind the scenes, uh, press the button. 